Welcome back, everyone, to the Risk Intel Podcast, powered by SRA Watchtower, where we share risk intelligence with experts from across the banking industry. I'm your host, Ed Vincent, CEO at SRA Watchtower. Welcome to the Risk Intel Podcast. I'm Ed Vincent, and joining me today is the CEO of SRA Consulting, Michael Glotz. Michael, thanks for being back with us here again today. That is great to be back with you. Michael, during the first round of conversations on this topic of succession planning, we spoke a lot about best practices um, and included things like uh, written job descriptions, identifying talent within your organization, um, the importance of cross-training and, and rotation, um, and backup plans for if you found yourself uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a bind and needed to fill that chief risk officer role quickly. Um, in this episode, let's, let's build upon that and talk a little bit about um, some other topics, the regulatory angle, the investor angle, um, some of the consequences of, of uh, ineffective or effective transition plans, um, and talk a, a little bit about success stories or, or, or lessons learned from some of the less successful um, transitions in the chief risk officer role. Great. That, uh, I'm ready to get started, Dan. Let's move on to uh, another topic here of where you're more likely to find a chief risk officer uh, from a succession planning perspective. Um, are you more likely to find that person inside the four walls or outside the four walls? Because I think we've, you know, there's a, there's a case to be made either way. So maybe a little bit about the pros and cons of, uh, of each of those. Yeah, um, I would say if you're a bank of size, it, let's use a size of 10 billion in assets or more, um, you're gen you generally have enough staff, not only within the risk area, but across the organization where you can plan to have your chief risk officers and you, you can afford uh, to have internal candidates as a chief risk officer and and so maybe identifying three potential chief risk officers uh, internally, maybe people who are level down from the chief risk officer in the risk team, or people who run functions outside of that organization that have had broad background. Uh, you know, in many cases, uh, a chief credit officer of your organization may have had experience as a chief risk officer in another role. Or, or I use the example of chief audit executive. It's really hard, you know, when you look at banks under, let's say, five billion in assets. Uh, you're incredibly fortunate if you have an internal candidate uh, in house uh, to be able to uh, promote. And a lot of times you do. I think, and a lot of times the the chief risk officer at, or the CEO makes a decision, hey, we're going to have a strong number two in-house and we know we're you know, paying a little extra money for this strong number two, but our current chief risk officer is 63 years old, is planning to retire in a year or two, and let's bring on that deputy chief risk officer who knows uh, that they're going to move into the role. But I would say that's a rarity. I would say less than 10% of the time, if I would have had to guess, you have that person in-house that's that's been identified. Um, and, um, you know, part of a succession plan in that case might be 
selecting an interim, you know, chief risk officer for right. a period of time. Uh, if something happens where you need that person right away, let's say the person retires unexpectedly early or leaves to another job as in a, a better chief risk officer role, uh, then you're under the gun to find that person. And it's really uh, challenging when there's a gap in that uh, in, in that uh, time frame between when your chief risk officer leaves and a new one comes. We've all kind of seen it, you know, highlighted in the last year uh, with uh, areas like Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, it doesn't look good for the CEO. It doesn't look good for the bank. And in fact, um, is maybe a root cause of some issues that were unexpected at the bank. Um, you're you're hitting on a, another theme there of of transition or or overlap periods that we haven't really um, spent much time on. But you know, it, it, if you um, if you have to, particularly if you are looking outside of an organization, right? To your point that that you know it, it's unlikely for smaller or medium-sized organizations to find someone that has that depth of experience inside the organization. Uh, and if you have to bring someone in from the outside, um, do you have a view on transition period and overlap periods and um, and messaging to to stakeholders and communicating to regulators kind of how much visibility should you provide in, uh, in, into what's going on inside the organization? Yeah. It, and, you know, there's, there's been some really neat uh, best practice examples. And one of them is citizens financial group in Connecticut, their large financial organization. And uh, John Griggs, who's the chief risk officer is retiring this quarter. Uh, and John's well-known in the industry and, uh, is a 34-year veteran of the banking industry and was with Citizens about 10 years. Well, they started looking last year for their chief risk officer. They found uh, an EVP and chief credit officer from Fifth Third Bank, who's well-known in the industry. Uh, and they, you know, offered him a job to, to move to... Uh, fill that role at Citizens Financial Group. Uh, Richard Stein is his name and had a chance to work with, uh, with Malcolm this quarter and, uh, and they're working together in that transition process. And of course, Richard has a strong background in banking. So they're not gonna have to teach him, you know, laws and regulations and how banks work and where the risks are. Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of education there. Obviously, there's, you know, unique risk that every bank has that he he needs to know and understand. Um, but that's an, a, you know, example of a planned event. Well done. You got the right talent. And in that case, citizens with 500 billion in assets, you would think is big enough maybe to have internal succession candidates but uh, you know, the, a really strong chief risk officer is a is a really rare commodity. Uh, to get to get one that you know is really additive uh, to your bank, and they may have had a few people that may not be ready in the next year or two that uh, need to continue to develop internally. And then you know that opposite issue 
which was highly visible that I, I just mentioned was around Silicon Valley Bank. Why was that in the press? You know, not only the failure of Silicon Valley Bank, but the fact that they their chief risk officer departed, Laura Isaretta uh, departed the bank. She gave a, a fair amount of notice and, you know, before she departed, uh, they weren't able to find a succession candidate, had a gap, you know, where there were some interim uh, folks in the gap and uh, trying to fill the gap. And it, it was uh, a reputational issue for Silicon Valley Bank that they had that gap without having a good bridge. And you can see the difference between an organization that is well managed from a succession standpoint and one that that has a gap and it just adds additional risk to the organization. So don't be Silicon Valley Bank in your succession planning process. Um, and it, it is really important to probably invest the time, the effort, uh, and really have that buttoned up in today's uh, focus, you know, from a regulatory perspective. That's one area that when they ask you, what's your succession plan? Uh, the answer should not be, I don't know. You know, we're, we, we don't have a succession plan. Um, if you don't have a succession plan as a chief risk officer, uh, that's a strike against you. And I think it, it, it leads to, uh, uh, you know, saying that you don't have strong management skills. You know, if you don't, if you haven't considered it, you don't have strong management skills. So, uh, that that's one of my top five things, you know, just in, in a bold fashion to say, uh, if you don't have a plan to improve risk management, you don't have good management skills. If you don't have a succession, if you don't have a strong staff that you're developing and training, or at least on the pl plane, then you don't have strong management skills. That's one where you, you want to uh, check the box to say, yes, I have strong management skills. I have achieved I have a succession plan. Right. So it's, it's clear that um, investors care whether you have a succession plan or whether you have a vacancy in this role, as evidenced by Silicon Valley or more recently, right, New York Community Bank, when investors, right, punish that stock um, as a result of some some broader issues, but but um, combined by the fact that that it was identified there was not uh, not someone sitting in that in that chief risk officer chair uh, at that moment in time. Um, what's the regulators' view on this? Right, you you talked a little bit about you know that whole concept of a of a strike against you. So, um, is, is this a topic that comes up in 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 the regulatory conversation? Is is it something that the Banks should be bringing it proactively. Are the regulators bringing it up? Can you just give us a bit of visibility into the, the regulatory aspect of this? I think there's more and more focus on it. Uh, it's, it's part of a regulatory uh, checklist with heightened standards for banks above 50 because the chief risk officer has to have a talent management program uh, and succession planning is part of it. If they don't, then there, you know, that's a check against them, you know, to begin with. Uh, and by the way, with banks above 50 billion, the CEO needs a talent management program with succession planning. The chief risk officer is required to have a succession planning and the chief audit executive. So those three positions are required 
to have succession plans for themselves and and their staffs. And uh, I would say uh, to my board member friends out there, this might be a good time to take a fresh look at the, the succession plan for your bank. And especially in light of what's what's transpired in the industry over the last year, uh, a lot of um, succession plans that I've seen, uh, you know, that make it up to the board are perfunctory. You know, uh, they were developed two years ago. There wasn't a lot of thought behind it. They're not updated routinely. And, you know, succession planning is not like a one-time event. There's a continuous process where when you when you uh, identified succession candidates, then there's a plan to develop those candidates. So, you know, that's a quarterly process to say, are they getting the right development? Are they progressing? Are they in a position where they're available today as a succession candidate or are they a future opportunity candidate? So I would say to my board friends, uh, you know, this is a good time to really make that succession planning process you know, functional not only for your chief risk officer, but for your CEO and their direct staff and and your your chief uh, audit executive as well. Is there a is there a a minimum transition period um, that in, in your experience you've seen is is needed, or is that really going to be very institution specific? Yeah, I think it's uh, institution uh, specific, but I would say the more transition period, the better. And, you know, probably kind of an ideal setup, Ed, might be a chief risk officer that has a deputy chief risk officer. And, you know, maybe the deputy chief risk officer, um, you know, has a lot of the skills and ability and knowledge, but not all the skills, ability and knowledge. Uh, because if if they had all the skills, ability, and knowledge, then you have to pay them. Uh, there's an affordability issue because those those uh, from experience, you know, those really well uh, developed chief risk officers, they're really pricey. You know, you got to pay them, so you can't afford to have two. You know, in I formation, but the the ideal um, setup is having a deputy chief risk officer that you know has to learn and develop that you're investing in. Um, you know, the longer the better in the case of uh, Citizens Financial Group. I think they had, you know, about 90 days of transition time. If you're bringing in somebody, uh, you know, like Richard Stein from uh, from Fifth Third Bank Corp, uh, they're gonna be able to hit the ground running pretty well. So a 90 day transition period, uh, you know, it is a good amount of time. Sometimes it's about the optics, you know, yeah. of the situation. Uh, a lot of folks can come in and, and, and have been around to be able to hit the ground running, but that transition period, uh, there's some optics to that transition period where, you know, if you have a person coming in on Friday and the other person leaving on Monday, you could, you know, a lot of folks looking at that setup are saying, hey, was there a proper handoff? And, you know, it's uh, interesting that I, I was looking at a study of, you know, if you look at basic risk in banks, uh, 
the number one driver of operational risk is turnover of operational line managers. You know, it's it's really that simple. It's like, hey, you have guys running the ACH and wire department or gals running loan, you know, loan operations or deposit operations. They leave, they bring with them this, this wealth of knowledge and uh, there wasn't a good transition and all, all of a sudden the place starts falling apart or you're getting fraud, you know, uh, issues left and right. So the number one driver of operational loss events is that lack of succession planning in operations. And, and the same thing is true with the chief risk officer, you know, can you really afford as a bank to have a gap, uh, with your chief risk officer, I would submit if I were a board member, the answer is no. And the same thing is true with chief executive officer. Can you afford to have a, a gap as a, a chief executive officer? I would say no. And uh, you know that's why I think this uh, this podcast is so powerful because it's it's a really good time to step back and and really think the whole process again, given where we are today. Michael, you, you you hit on a number of, I think, really powerful themes there from the fact that oftentimes you need to look outside an organization to to uh, to, to build that into your succession plan. Um, the fact that a succession plan is not a one-time event, that it requires continuous monitoring and development of candidates. It is not a, it's not a set it and forget it situation. That uh, having a meaningful transition period, ninety days or, or, or longer, if if you can if you can um, uh, organize it, um, and, and the fact that that um, that this is that this is a um, an area that that if it's not done well and if there is a gap, then then you are exposing yourself to additional risk. Ironically, in an area that is supposed to be managing risk, and and so uh, it really feels like. You know, this is the right time for organizations, whether it's board risk committees or leadership teams, to look at the succession planning topic and determine right what what are uh, what are the policies and programs you have inside your organization to manage succession within the risk department. That's it, Ed. Michael, thank you very much for your time here today. Uh, we appreciate you sharing these thoughts. Really valuable and insightful. And uh, hopefully we, we've given people some things to think about. And, and certainly, you know, with SRA Consulting, you guys have some of the expertise that we talked about from fractional chief risk officers to, and to help bridge and mentor through some of these transitions um, and also the experience of what it takes to find a, a great chief risk officer. So um, certainly uh, I know you could be helpful to, to folks if they have further questions in this area. So thanks for being here. Thank you, Ed. Have a great day. For more information on SRA, please visit srarisk.com. Watch or listen to our weekly Risk Intel podcast series or follow us on LinkedIn to learn more.